Come on, let's give that hand clap of praise to the Lord. You know, how about for one minute, just give him the best praise that you can. Come on, praise him like it's going to be your last time. Praise him like you've just been born again. Come on, praise him like you're going to meet him tomorrow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can, you can be seated. So good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. On this past week, I was traveling to Washington, D.C., and uh, the plane that I was on um, had a very rough landing. And the fog, uh, you could not see, you could not see the fog, uh, and I'm pretty sure I'm looking through the window, and that's the same experience that the pilot had as well. And what he did is he misjudged how close he was to the ground at his landing. And out of nowhere, and I'm sitting on the um, aisle where the, uh, the wheels are. So the wheels are right under me. And we made an abrupt landing, and we hit the ground, and it was boom. And everyone on the plane said, ooh. <laughs> and, and, and at that time, I realized how blessed I am to know the Lord. And that, you know what, you're not guaranteed another day. And if the Lord so chose to take my life at that time, I was ready, and I was prepared. And I've determined that every day that I'm in the presence of the Lord, I'm going to praise him like I may not get another chance. Come on, somebody. I'm going to worship him. Praise God. Like I may not be able to come into the house of the Lord again. Praise God. Truly, it takes sometimes those type of things to happen to get our attention. I want to thank Reverend Fletcher. Pastor Fletcher now, amen, such a wonderful spirit, a, a great uh, leader and, and evangelist for giving me the opportunity to be here. I want to recognize the pastor of this church, Pastor Murphy, and uh, Brother Klein. It's, it's good to be on the same, or sharing the same pulpit with Sister Williams. My first time meeting her today, but not my first time hearing about her. My wife brags about her prayer ministry all the time. I say, well, you think you were married to Sister, oh, come on, y'all. <laughs> she feels such a uh, kindred spirit with the ministry that the Lord has given you, Sister Williams, so in honor to share the pulpit here with you. And, and so good to be with my good brother, Brother Bunch, Brother David Bunch. I've had the opportunity of knowing Brother Bunch for, for many years, and Brother Bunch has come to preach for us in the city of Plaquemine. I can't remember. I think we were in our, in our church building instead of the storefront. And I learned something from Brother Bunch when he came there. Uh, there's the old saying, kiss. Anybody know what that means when you're preaching? Anybody know what that means? Keep it simple. No, it means keep it simple and sweet. Uh, <laughs> You're right, Brother Murphy. It means keep it simple, stupid. And I learned, and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and Pastor Bunch, or Brother Bunch, he came and he preached, and, and the folks from my church would say, I Pastor didn't learn anything from you, brother. <laughs> but, but, you know, we have a new generation of 
pastors and, and ministers that are called. And, and I thought, Brother Fletcher, they're like that, as you said, that microwave generation. And, and they like things fast. And so, you know, I tell uh, our, our, our ministers that are coming, you know, don't take too long. Okay. Uh, preach. Amen. To get us out of the way. And I tell you what motivates them, you know, back in our day, you know, you couldn't deal too much with television and, and you couldn't get a, a license. And I'm talking to you call folks. There. I went in there and I told those folks I watch a little PBS with the children and those guys. Brother Tenney said you ain't getting a license until you confess that sin. <laughs> so it's a little bit different uh, with the younger generation these days. And if you want them to preach fast, all you have to do is tell them that the saints are playing. Come on, y'all. And, 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 and tell them that LSU's playing Alabama, God forbid, again. But you, you, you tell them that, and, and the young ministers, they say, uh, do we even have to have church? <laughs> and are they, are they get up and they preach and they just lift their hands there. But I'm so thankful for those that are called. And that's what the uh, purpose of this meeting is, and, and I'm so thankful that I have folks from my church here today, young people that feel that they are called. Amen? They feel that they are called, and, and, and what we want to do is we want to equip them. Before I start, I want to uh, say how much I appreciate those folks being here with me today, but also my lovely wife. This year, we celebrate 25 years of marriage, and so I'm just thankful for that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Kings in chapter 19, and I'm going to read at verse number 1. Amen. Lengthy reading here, and so you don't have to stand. Thank you, brethren. We always stand in honor, not of God, not of man, but of God. But, but thank you. I don't want to keep you standing so long. In 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 1, it says... And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if not, if I make not thy life as one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. In verse number six, and he looked and behold, there was a cake baking of coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat. And because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat. And he went in the strength of that meat 40 days, verse 9, and he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left and they seek my life to take it away. I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Verse 15, and the Lord said unto him, go return on the way to 
the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elijah the son of Shaphat of Abimeholah shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Verse 17, and it came to pass that him that escaped the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escaped the sword of Jehu shall Elijah slay. Verse number 18, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. If I could give this message a title this morning, it would be, What About the 7,000? What About the 7,000? As a called minister... There will be times in your ministry when you feel backed into a corner and struggling, trying to figure out what's going on in your life and the call of God. As you heard a man from Brother Kleindis and as you heard from Brother Fletcher, this is real. This was the case for Elijah. He was in the midst of the fight of his life. He was in a war with false prophets. He was in a war with a wicked king and his even more wicked wife. Somebody say amen. He was fighting for the heart and the soul of the nation of Israel. He was in a battle and he was in a, 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 a war in a hostile environment to those that are called to those that are led to those that the Lord has put his hand upon your life I want to tell you this morning that this is what happens and this is what you can expect when you are called of the Lord and you want to do something great for Jesus somebody say amen if you are a minister and if you have decided that I want to go in territories and I want to go in areas amen and I want to do something great for the Lord I want you to know that the end enemy, amen, is not going to lay down. The enemy is not going to move aside. The enemy is going to fight for the territory. The enemy is going to fight for every inch and not allow you to just ease and walk in that place and take over. Amen. That is what is happening with Elijah. Elijah wants to do something great for the Lord God Almighty. Elijah wants to win back the heart of Israel from the souls, amen, the souls of Israel from the false prophets. He wants, amen, to see revival as many of us that are called, we want to see this morning. Somebody say amen. But there are principalities and there are powers and there are strongholds and they're going to dig their heels in. And they're going to fight you for every inch that you want to take for the Lord. The Bible says, amen, that you cannot go into the home of a strong man unless you first bind him. He is not going to allow you, amen, to take his spoils. There's going to be a fight in high places. The Bible says that there are principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places that are going to resist you. 
Somebody say amen. This is what we saw when we, when we go through the word of God and we see Daniel. Amen. Daniel is praying and he is asking God to open up his understanding and to give him, amen, understanding of his vision. And the word of the Lord says that Daniel had to pray and he had to fast and he had to fight the prince of Persia for 21 days. And he needed, amen, the assistance of Michael the archangel to come so that he could just get a word from the Lord. Don't you know, amen, if you are trying to see souls saved and you're trying to see people delivered, that the enemy is going to put up a fight. This is the reason why the Apostle Paul was often shipwrecked. This is the reason why three times he received 39 stripes, save one. Amen. Because he was on the precipice of revival. This is the reason why he was snake bitten. This is the reason why he was incarcerated and put into jail. Because he had great dreams. He had great vision. And he had great burden. And he had great anointing. And God wanted to use him greatly. But the enemy would not lay down. The enemy would not Lay down. Amen. This is a war that you're getting yourself involved with. If you are called of God, as Brother Fletcher said, this is a war. You must die to the self. The apostle said that I'm crucified with Christ. Brother Fletcher said, you know what? I am in bonds to this war and to this battle that I am involving myself in. Praise God. In a war, there is a series of battles, and some of those battles will go your way, and others will not. You will win some battles, and you will lose some. Elijah was coming off one of the greatest victories you will find in the Word of God. Elijah had just called down fire from heaven, and the Word of God says, and after that he had just spoken a word unto the heavens that it would rain again. And remember, it was Elijah who had shut up the heavens for the space of three and a half years, and now, amen, he's just called down fire, and now he's just said it can rain again. He is at the highest point of his ministry yesterday brother Klein just said you know it is not always about ascending but sometimes it's descending and I see here for Elijah this is the worst type of dissension that you can have he is at a point in his life where he has descended to a place where he does not want to live anymore and he doesn't want to live anymore because he feels that he is losing a battle the reality is of ministry is that there are those that are called and those that are called will experience failures along with successes. And you will experience disappointments along with victory. Some of our seasoned ministers need to say amen. Praise God. But you know what? You should not allow those things to cause you to let up. In the failures, sometimes your dreams are broken and your hopes are dashed in a split second. That perfect megachurch 
that you believe that God showed you, amen, seems like it's in the distant vision. Come on now, it's in, or it's in the distant past, and you cannot see it anymore. But instead, you know what, you're in some place that you don't know why you're there to begin with. Come on, somebody. And you're in some place, amen, that you're not seeing the revival that God, that you believe that God has shown unto you. You're preaching, amen, not to a mega church and not to thousands. You're preaching only to your family. Can I get a witness in here? You're preaching only to your family and amen. And your wife is wondering if you're called or your husband is wondering if you're called and your children are saying that you're long winded. Thank you, brother bunch. Amen. Praise God. And things are not working the way that you thought that they would work. Amen. The spirit of the Lord is not moving like it did in your church that you come out of. The reason why is because you were preaching under the anointing of your pastor. You were preaching. Come on, somebody under the unction. Amen. the the victory that your pastor had won for you and now amen you're expecting the Holy Ghost to move the same way that it moved before but you have not amen won your battles yet you have not won your war yet you have not submitted the enemy yet that's the reason why all the friends who said you were anointed and are a great preacher come on somebody they're all gone All of the fanfare and all of those that get on the bandwagon, those folks are going to. The only folks that are coming, amen, are the naysayers. They're coming to see you fail. They're coming to see you fold tents. Come on, somebody, and go away. At this time, amen, it never fails that your car starts breaking down. Come on, y'all. Amen. And your calendar goes dry. Can I get a witness in here? Amen. Somebody gets extremely sick. The devil wants to kick you while you're down. Amen. This is where warfare is taking place. And know that the enemy is not going to take hostages. Know that the enemy, amen, is not going to let up. This is where the enemy begins to play with your mind. And you began to wonder if you were called of the Lord. Any home missionaries in here? I know, Brother Murphy, you know, this is a nice place. And God has blessed you, but it ain't always been this way. I remember, Brother Murphy, from way back in the day. And you don't know, amen, you may come in here and you may see a nice screen and you may see a nice service, amen. But you don't know, amen, where God had to bring that man of God from. I asked Brother Bunch, amen, if he was with us in the storefront. You know, when we were in a storefront that was so small, amen, and it was so out of the way, it used to be a wash interior. It used to be an exercise place that I say, you know what, we're washing them for Jesus and we're dancing for Jesus. Anything to give myself an edge and to feel that we were having the victory. There was a pole in the middle of that service, in the middle of that church. And my little boy, he's right there now. He's in college. He's 19. He would jump on there in the middle of the service and swirl down like a fireman. And we couldn't do anything about it because I was preaching and my wife was the piano player. Amen. And if we left from there, everything in the service had to stop. I'm talking to somebody, amen, who's trying to hold on to their vision. Somebody who's trying to hold on to their their dream. I'm talking about full-time pastors, amen, who left their job. Full-time evangelists, amen, who left their job. Amen. Those, amen, who stepped out on faith. Amen. And it didn't go the way that you thought it would go. Am I telling the truth? Amen. This is the side of ministry that they can tell you about, but cannot fully prepare you for. The things that your pastor warned you about. 
This is where you be able to be able to know that you know that you've been called. This is where you have to be like David and you've got to encourage yourself. You better get a hold of every encouraging scripture that you can get and you better know how to quote it. You better know how to speak to yourself and say, this battle is not mine, but it's the Lord. God has made me the head and not the tail. God has made me above and not beneath. You better get that in your spirit because you're going to need to be able to quote that. And you're going to be able to need to be able to believe it that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Come on, somebody. Amen. If God be for me, who can be against me? And God has promised to bless me going out and going, coming in, in the city and in the field. You better hold on to those scriptures. And you're not just preaching it to the saints, but you're preaching to yourself. Amen. And then there are going to be times that even after you've done all of that, amen, you're still going to be broken. And you're still, I'm talking to somebody who feels that they are called of God. Hey man, you need to hear these things. You need to get it under your belt. You know what, if we all, if all we told you were about our successes, and if all we told you was about all of the good things, when you go and you face some of those trials, and you face some of those tribulations, which will come, Amen. You're not going to be prepared. Amen. To make it. Amen. Praise the Lord. As Brother Fletcher said, my wife and I, we've been pastoring for 17 years. And we've had some up times and we've had some down times. But you know what? We've held on. Brother, I can't tell you how many different ministries have come through the city of Plaquemine in those 17 years. We were the only apostolic ministry, but at least 20 other ministries have come through there and they were not prepared to fight the spiritual strongholds and the spiritual wickedness. When we held on, you know why we held on? Because I had a pastor that started a home missions church and when we got in there, we didn't have but a few folk in there and they had been pressing and they had been fighting and they had been praying, but you know what? My pastor did not quit and I learned from something from him that you may plant and you may water, but it's God that gives the increase. God is looking for somebody that's going to be faithful. Somebody that's going to hold on. I saw that in my pastor. I saw how he came to church to preach every Sunday. I saw how he never missed a prayer meeting. Amen. I saw that. Amen. That's what separated me from those other 15 pastors. I saw someone stand in the gap. I saw someone, Pastor Murphy, stay faithful to the call and the promise of God. Somebody say, amen. And when we go through these things, amen, and we have our tough times and and our battles are not going the way that we want, this is gut check time. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you've got to survive. You're going to be there. And I was in a home missions meeting on this past week. And in there, we get reports from our home missionaries and our pastors. And we lost one of our pastors this past uh, month. Just he couldn't take it anymore. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't fight anymore. He had been there for two years. And he had not seen the move of God that he was expecting. A great man of God. A faithful man of God. Someone that loved the Lord. But let me share with you. Amen. Sometimes, as Brother Fletcher says, you don't see what God is doing. Sometimes you don't see that God, amen, is fighting the battles for you. 
praise the Lord, and his hand is working in your favor, and God is moving on a situation. That's why we don't walk by sight, and we walk by faith. God is doing things in the spirit, and God is making shifts in the spirit, and it's just not happening when you want it to happen, but it does not mean that it's not going to happen because God is not slack concerning his promises. God is not a man that he should tell you a lie. Just because you don't see it right now doesn't mean that God is not going to bring it to pass. You just need to be faithful. Somebody say amen. Amen. This is the place where your true calling is manifested of God and where you better know that you are called because the life, as Brother Fletcher said, the life of your family is dependent upon it. The life and the souls of your children are dependent upon whether you know that you are called of God. Because if you are entering a place that God has not called you to, if you are entering a place, amen, of where there is a spiritual, amen, journey or a spiritual warfare that is happening, amen, Man, you may risk the life of your family. You may lose the souls of your children, and we see it happen all the time. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. Elisha was in such a place that he was so broken and beat down by being in the ministry. He feels that he is a failure, and he wants to take his life. Many of us have been there in a different way. Jesus was even there himself. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass away with me, away from me. The apostle Paul was there. He says, you know what? I, I, I want to die, but it's more needful for me to stay here with you. Greater men and women of God than anyone in this room with more anointing and a greater call have been there. Where they began to doubt and began to question what is the will of God. And of all the things that was ailing Elijah the most, the one thing that troubled him the most was that he thought he was by himself. Don't you know that God did not call us to be an island unto ourselves? Amen. The Lord says if you walk by yourself and you fall, there's nobody there to pick you up. That is the worst feeling you can ever have when you are in the ministry is to feel that there's more of them than there is of us. To feel, amen, that I'm in this thing by myself and there's no one here to help me. And that's where Elijah was. All of the great things that he had done for God. All of the great ministry that he had. He is by himself. That's a bad place to be. And he is convinced that no one else in Israel wants to live for God. That he is the only one in the entire nation that has, has a desire to serve the Lord. He has no souls to show for the things of his ministry. Amen. As a preacher, there's nothing more precious than souls to be one. When other people pray and play the lottery, come on somebody. And when other people chase after the things of this world, if you find a true woman and a true man of God and you ask them of all the things in this world, if God could bless you with anything, the thing that they're going to say is souls. 
Amen. It's souls. I heard you, Elder, last night when you talked about the hundreds of thousands of people that have received the Holy Ghost under your ministry. Why? Because that's what it's about. It's about souls. That's what we get into this thing for. That's what we're called for. God has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. He has called us to seek and to save that which is lost. No other reason. It's about souls. Let me share with you the easiest part of being a pastor is preaching. Some of you are preparing messages. And saying what you're going to say when God gives you a chance to preach. But the easiest part of the job is what I'm doing right now. Amen. When God calls you, it's about souls. The Apostle Paul wanted souls so bad that he said, you know what? I would trade my own soul in salvation that my brethren would be saved. You know, I love some people, brother, but I don't love them like that yet. I don't love them like that yet. I'm still got to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. But Paul had such a burden for souls that he said, I'll trade my own soul that my brethren may be saved. And here is Elisha. After all of this time and all of this ministry, he is by himself. He is devastated. And he is wondering if he's called of God. As a home missions pastor, I've been there where I've said, you know what? Nobody in this city wants the Lord. Nobody in this place wants to live for God. The message, the apostolic message does not work in this place. Because you know what? There were greater preachers and pastors that have come through here before me and they're not here. And so I'm thinking, amen, nobody here wants to be saved. Nobody here wants to hear this message. This is a God forsaken place. These are a bunch of heathens. I've left everything and forsaken everything to come to this place. Amen. To hear, to, to, to see if there are some who want to be saved. And to date, up to this time, there are no takers. He says, I've been, in verse 19, verse number 10, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant and thrown down thine altars and slain the prophets with the sword. And even I am left. Amen. How many of you know that is in our weakness? God is as our strength. In our weakness, God is in our strength. And this, amen, is right where God wants you to be at. Where you're totally trusting him. Where you've recognized, amen, that it's never been about you. That it's always been about his grace. It's always been about his mercy. It's always been about his call. It's always been about him and his desire and his will. We're right there at a point now where we know, amen, that it's not us. You know, I've been to a point of failure in my ministry where I've made a deal with the Lord. And say, you know what, I'm going to stop beating myself up. I'm going to stop beating myself up and I'm going to allow the revival to come through you. Amen. I'm going to plant and I'm going to water and I'm going to look at you, Lord, and you're going to bring the increase. But here's the thing. When you bring the harvest, which God is doing, and when you bring the Holy Ghost and when the anointing come into this place, I'm going to be careful to give you all of the glory. And I'm going to be careful to give you all of the honor and all of the praise, because if I could have done this myself, I would have done it a long time ago. Amen. 
God comes in, amen, and the word of God says that they that wait on the Lord, if you will persist, if you will stay the course, if you will stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And the word of the Lord says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God is going to raise up a standard. And this battle is not yours. I'm speaking to some people today, amen, that are at this place in their ministry right now. But I'm also warning those that are called. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. The Lord says, I'm here to tell you, amen, that he's not going to leave you and he's not going to forsake you. And God knows exactly where you are. He did not send you on a fool's errand. Somebody say amen. The vision came from him. You know, the devil don't give you a vision of you doing something great. The vision didn't come from the uh, enemy. It didn't come from yourself. It came from the Lord God. Amen. I heard somewhere where the Lord says that all of heaven rejoices when one soul comes to repentance. And so God said, sit, sit tight. I'm concerned about the souls too. I don't want any, anybody to be lost. In verse 18, he tells Elijah, he says, yet I've left me 7,000 in Israel. Amen. That have not bowed their knee and have not kissed the feet of the false gods. The Lord tells him in the earlier scriptures, he says, I want you to go and anoint me some kings. And I want you to go and anoint me some prophets. If you will hold on, God is going to bring some great people to you. God is going to bring some great people into your company, some royal people, some princes of people. Come on, somebody. God is going to bring, amen, some servants that want to serve God, some ministers that want to work as unto him and not build their own kingdom. You know, you'll have a chance to build the kingdom that God has called you for. But right now, amen, we need people to work as unto the Lord. We need people to serve. The Lord said to be exact, I have 7,000 that have not been compromised. 7,000 that want to live for God. 7,000 that want to live holy and be faithful to the body of Christ and faithful in their giving and faithful to their church. 7,000 that want to still attend a midweek service. Come on, somebody. 7,000 that won't run away from a five-day revival and a seven-day prayer meeting. You can hear a rat licking ice in here about right now. Praise God. Toes moving in socks. You know what I'm talking about. It's hard to find people that are willing willing to put away the soccer game, willing to put away the football game, willing to put away the practice and all of these things and will live for God. They got a club for this, a club for that. Amen. It's hard in this time. God says, I've got some ministers that want to help and serve like this is their own ministry. I got some musicians that want to play who deserve to get paid, but don't, come on somebody, don't have to get paid to play in the church service. I've got some folks who are saved and sanctified, who don't mind, amen, driving a Sunday school bus and picking up trash in the church parking lot. I've got 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to bow. Amen. You see, our problem is we're chasing after the wrong people. We're getting burnt out on the wrong people. And God says, I got 7,000 that you don't know about. I've got 7,000 that you're not aware of. Let me tell you here, if you go back to the scripture, Elijah did not know who those 7,000 were. 
He says, I am by myself, and I am the only one that wants to live for God. I'm here to tell you this morning that there are 7,000 out there, amen, that have not compromised, that want to live for God. It's just that you don't know who they are. They're there. Amen. In the New Testament, the Bible says in John chapter 14, in Luke chapter 14, that the Lord sent him out there and he says, I got an invitation. You see, you bring an invitation to people that you know. He says, I've got an invitation. And they went out to their friends and they went out to their family and everybody was too busy. We're wasting our time on those people that don't want to live for God. He says, you know what, I want you to go into the lanes and I want you to go into the streets and I want you to go into the highways and I want you to go into the byways. Go to those that are halt. Go to those that are blind. Go to those that are lame. Go to the group home where they got people with disabilities. Go to the nursing home where there's the elderly. Go to the prison where folks are incarcerated. Come on, somebody. Go under the bridge where people are suffering. Amen. Go to those that you do not know. I want my house to be full. You know what? God has a burden for those that are lost as well. He wants his house to be full. God wants revival. God wants people to receive the Holy Ghost. God wants people to be baptized in his name. But you know what? We're reaching and we're getting burnt out on the wrong people. Somebody say amen. These folks just don't come from the crowd that you're used to. They don't look like you. Huh? Come on, let me get out of here. They don't look like you. They don't talk like you. They don't sing like you. Praise God. But that's where your revival is. That's the people that God wants to save. These are the people that are lost. The Lord says those that are not sick have no need of a physician. Praise God. We're going to people who think they can make it on their own. People who don't think they need the church. People don't think they need God. But you know what? There are people out there. Amen. That are looking for men and women of God that will love them, that will speak life to them, that will pray for them. They will come. Folks say, well, you know what? They won't come if, if, if they can't relate to me. If you can get them into the house of the Lord and if you will show them love, the Holy Ghost and the anointing and good preaching will take over from there. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter what they look like. God has called us to reach everybody. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Amen. When you are a broken minister like Elijah was, notice that first the Lord didn't send him back. The Lord sent him forward. When you are a broken minister like Elijah, amen, all you want to see is soul saved. And you know what? And, and, and when you are in that place, anybody that walks through those doors, you're going to love them. Come on, somebody. When you are in that place, anybody that walks through those doors, you're going to love them and you're going to put your arms around them. And you're going to say, brother, I am so glad that you made your way to the house of the Lord. Why? Because you don't want to be by yourself. And you don't want to be alone. You know what? We have embraced people who were felons. And embraced people who were bound by crack cocaine and other drugs. And you know what? And they sit among us, some even this morning, and you don't even know it. 
Embrace people, amen, that were convicted of this and convicted of that, amen, and God has done such a great work in them, and I'm so excited, and these are my brothers, and I love them with everything that is within me, but you know what? We embrace them because we did not want to be alone and by ourselves. I think of a sister who came to the church. She was a Mormon. She was a different type of Mormon. She was one that did a lot of smoking, and did a lot of drinking. And, 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 and every now and then she'd slip some bad words. And I remember going to pick her up for church. And my kids would complain because it was like bringing in a, a, a chimney into the car. And they'd say, you know, well, she smells like smoke and, and this here. And you know what? And we ministered to her. And, you know, she never got saved. But the people in her household did. The families that were there did, and one of those dear precious ladies, she passed not long. We baptized her in the name of Jesus, and she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, all because, amen, we had a burden to reach those that were lost. Amen. There is a breakthrough that God wants to give. There is a harvest that the Lord wants to bring. There are 7,000 that have not bowed their need to bow that we need to be reaching. Got a few minutes. I'm going to finish up with this. The Lord gave the apostle Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And he told Peter, whatsoever you loose is going to be loosed and whatsoever you bind is going to be bound. And we know that Peter was there when the gospel message was preached unto the Gentiles. And we know that Peter was there when it was preached unto the Sumerians. And we know that it was there when in the book of Acts when the gospel was preached unto the Jews. Praise God. But we know that Peter still had some issues with reaching people that did not look like him. Huh? He had an issue now, we all have issues. If you say you don't have an issue, then maybe that's your issue. <laughs> Peter had some issues, and in the book of Acts, the Bible says that the Lord came to him, and the Lord showed him something that was different from himself. Something that didn't fit with his culture. Something that didn't fit with his background. And the Lord says, I want you to touch and I want you to reach. And Peter said, no, God, you know, I've never dealt with folks like this. I've never dealt with situations like this. And the Lord says, Peter, don't you call unclean and common that which I've called clean. And Peter went to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius and his whole household received the Holy Ghost the same way that the Jews received the Holy Ghost with Peter. Somebody say amen. amen. And Peter said, of a truth, I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons. Listen to me. God is not a respecter of persons. And if you don't reach everybody that God has called you to reach, you're going to miss out. You know, we just had an election in the city of Plaquemine, and in, in an election, you can go and, and see the demographics of the folks that voted. You can see how many people are Democratic and how many people are Republican, and you can see how many people are this and how many people are that. And in Iberville Parish, Saints, is about 50-50 Republican and Democrat. 50-50 black folks and white folks. 
And if you came to our church on Sunday morning, guess what? You're going to see about 50-50. You know why? Because God is bringing them. And we're opening our hearts to everybody that God brings our way. And God is saving. And God is bringing revival. Amen. I'm trying to tell you something this morning. Praise God. And Peter still had an issue when it was said and done. The Bible says that Paul had to rebuke him to the face because he was to be blamed. Because he still had an issue. No wonder you see Paul going on to to Rome. And you see Paul going to Galatia. And you see Paul having revival at Corinth. And you see Paul at Ephesus. And you see Paul at Thessalonica. And all you see Peter is at Jerusalem. He would not change his ways. Even though God has shown him differently. The Lord said, my house has got to be full. And when you come before the throne of God, the Bible says every nation, tongue and kindred is going to be represented there. And that's the way it should be. I know not in this church. This is a good church. Come on now. And I know I'm preaching to the choir in this church. But the body of Christ has got to open up. Amen. That's where our next revival is. That's where our next harvest is. We've got to get tired of us four and no more. Praise God. We said, and I'm going to finish here. We're going to go into the break. We said... That God had, our, God had put it in our heart to build a fellowship hall. Put it in our heart to build a fellowship hall. And we're still a small church with not many means and not many resources. And there was an older uh, white couple around the corner from our church. And, and, and we decided that we were going to embrace them. And we were going to minister to them. And we were going to share our faith with them. And one day I told that elderly gentleman, I said, brother, we're going to build us a fellowship hall. And he says, well, brother Thomas, I want you to wait here for a second. And he came back out with a $15,000 check. Come on, somebody. There was another brother, a man that we reached for, and he was bound by crack cocaine and, and, and bound by drugs, and we didn't have anybody. And to us, he looked like a million bucks when he came through there and God changed his life around and he's about a million bucks. And, and I told him, I said, hey, brother, we want to build a fellowship hall. And he came to me and he said, hey, pastor, here's a check for $15,000. And then we had another gentleman in there. He didn't look like the way that we looked. And he said, I told him, hey, brother, we want to build a church. He says, I believe I can build it with my bare hands. And you know what he did, brother David? He built it for us, probably for pennies on the dollar. When it was time for us to dig the trenches for our church to put down our concrete, uh, there was a group of gentlemen who were Hispanic that I was ministering to and sharing the faith with. And they said, Pastor, we're going to do all of this preparation. And we don't believe in, come on, somebody. And we don't believe in taking money from the church. You see, when we are not in the will of God, And when we're not open to what God is doing, we are missing blessings that God wants to bring to the church and God wants to bring to the body of Christ. We're missing testimonies. 
Amen. We're missing, amen, the open door that God has set for us. That's where our breakthrough may be. That's where our harvest is. That's where our revival is. That's where the 7,000 are. Amen. 7,000 that have not bowed their knee. 7,000 that are hungry for the Lord. 7,000 that's looking for a man and a woman of God to reach them, to pray for them, to love them. Amen. God bless you, Pastor.